Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hawaii Matters. My name is Devin and today, like we've been for the past few weeks, we check in with Hawaii's Lieutenant Governor Josh Green and get an update on our state's status with COVID-19. This is an interview we did with him this past Friday, April 17th. Uh, so, Lieutenant Governor, uh, how about we, we catch up about what's been happening? Can you can you give us an update, please? Yes, absolutely. So, the curve has flattened very significantly, which is test, uh, testament to people's incredible self-sacrifice, small businesses, each of us as, as family members staying home and being careful. So, the last three days, we had 13, then 13, then 11 cases, which is quite extraordinary and almost impossible to achieve. So congratulations, everyone. We have to keep holding the line till the 30th, because if we keep it this flat, our number of recovered people, which is now at 67.7% as of about 36 hours ago, will reach a point where there's not much virus around. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, with the, uh, the order where people have to not fly here or very minimally fly here. And listeners, believe me, it pisses me off like it pisses you off that people <laughs> still get in. Um, but... It's such a small number that the spread will be minimal and we will be able to say that through phase one, we've succeeded in uh, minimizing the disease, flattening the curve and keeping people alive. Mm -hmm. Then phase two will begin, which we will talk about, I'm sure, at great length today, which is how do we open uh, the state and how do we how do we begin the process? So we can talk a lot about that, but that's where we are. We have tested now over 22,000 people. Um, on a per capita basis, that's among the top three states in the country. About 2.5% of all people that have been tested have been positive. And as you've seen, it takes a lot of work from everybody at the Department of Health and my office and governor's office to try to make sure we keep the lid on. So you guys are doing great. Everyone should wear masks. Everyone should be very careful, certainly to the end of the month and beyond. And, and hopefully we'll have some good news about decreasing the severe restrictions by the end of the month. Now, that's still kind of a low number as far as testing goes, right? Because, I mean, in a perfect world, we get a chance to test everybody, we'd find out where it is, and then we go for yeah. it, right? But we're yeah. not at that point yet. So uh, as far as the available tests goes, how are we doing for that? We're doing better. Uh, we can easily test 1,000 people a day, maybe 1,500 people a day. Sometimes the tests then have to go off island, but increasingly we're going to be able to run all of our tests always in state, which means next day turnaround, just like when you had your cholesterol checked or the diabetes checked and so on. We, the, the crazy part is we're doing better than almost every other state in the country, yet still obviously we would like to have tens of thousands of people tested. Now the way that will happen, and, and I'll, I'll tell you, you're going to see a lot of information about this in the coming 24 hours is once we have antibody tests that are fully approved, and I'm working with the CDC and private labs on this, once we have antibody tests so we can get a background, a true background surveillance number of lots and lots of people, we'll be able to see whether or not there was additional very asymptomatic, low-grade disease, whether there were ways to simply keep it at bay uh, while having people that were positive in the state, so much more information. So. Those, those antibody tests are a little different. You know that the, the, they're called PCR tests, the ones that we get now, which is the DNA from the antigen that sticks in your nose, you know, you mm -hmm. stick it in the nose. The antibody tests are different. They're gonna be blood tests. And the good ones, uh, once they get this 
finalized, which is happening very, very rapidly in the next several weeks, maybe even two weeks, you just get a drop of blood and you put it on this thing that looks like a pregnancy test and it tells you whether or not you've already got antibodies to COVID-19. That is critical because that's how you can, then we can have people going in large numbers through when they go to work, when they go to uh, an event where we set up a a 5,000 bunch of tests at at a time. That's when you get massive testing and you can really see. So these are the things that you're going to see in the coming weeks that I'm kind of working on deep into the night mostly and early at morning uh, time with the East Coast guys. That's what's coming. So be patient, but know that from from an acute clinical standpoint, we have actually tested quite a lot of people. Would I like another 20%? You bet I would. But soon we want to see big numbers, and that's when the technology gets there. Okay. Um, we got some uh, questions. Uh, Nancy Delacruz uh, says that uh, she just saw on the news it's not good to put anything paper, like a paper towel, a coffee filter, in the pocket of a fabric mask because the paper absorbs moisture. Uh, do you recommend something instead? I, I would only recommend an actual uh, medical filter, and those are harder to come by because essentially now you're buying a mask. So, yeah, the, I think people should probably accept cloth masks for what they are, which is a modest amount of protection but limited, and you should absolutely still keep six feet social distancing, whether you've got a, a cloth mask or on or not. Mm-hmm. You know, surgical masks, the, the ones that are kind of disposable, they, they say that they're three-ply and they're woven and this and that. They have, they have some absorptive capacity, but they have lining so that they don't suck up a bunch of water. And that's why they are surgical. You know, they're, they're built for that. Uh, they are a little bit better, but, you know, you can't, you can't get a big box of those all the time. You know, I had a, a heck of a time. I got about 26,000 of them, and I gave them immediately to firefighters, police, and um, prisons, and the homeless providers because they had to be covered, had to be protected. But soon everyone's going to need something like this. I think mm-hmm. that we're going to get big orders in. I, I have some surprises I hope to announce with you next week with a big, big, big announcement, but don't have it finalized yet. So you had mentioned, I mean, of course, we all know that uh, the stay-at-home order is currently in place through April 30th, but I know a lot of people um, that I've seen on social media or in my my family and friend circles want to know, in the best-case scenario, how early do you anticipate that things might start to become a little more flexible? Do you anticipate throughout the month of May or is it more realistically throughout the summertime or even after summer? Well, when you say more uh, less restricted, it's May. Uh, There's there will be some less restrictions in May. I I actually do expect, given this curve, if it still holds the next few days, that we will will see significant conversations in public because I'm pretty Mm -hmm. much in public all the time with you guys public conversations about what we actually can do on May 1st. And I don't think that people can take being completely locked down for much longer. Mm-hmm. Now, will we have to socially distance at six feet? Yes. Will we have to have gatherings of less than 10 people? I would say so for, you know, for the foreseeable future. But I do think that we will lessen some of the restrictions and that will make a difference because that will mean parks where there's open spaces will be a little more accessible. <laughs> Excuse me. That will mean that some, I haven't seen the recommendations yet, but some restaurants 
may be able to go to like every other or every third table mm-hmm. opening, mm-hmm. which is which tends to be fine because there's not going to be any tourists here for a while yet. Yeah. So some of these things will uh, lighten up a little bit. So guys, just hang in there for the last 13 days of this month, because honestly, each and every day more people recover and fewer and fewer people are infected in, in the state. So. We're, we're catching up to one another. Uh, we have 170 people that are not considered, quote, recovered yet, but we only had 11 new cases yesterday. So you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, these numbers are passing each other in the night in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I think what's happening, though, when, when people see those numbers, uh, it sort of gives them this false sense of, well, we're good. We got no problem. Well, yeah. We're not like New York. So, I mean, and and so I, I'm not sure how to explain that to people because they see these numbers going down, and then they immediately think, "Well, we're good then, right?" Well, I would say I'd use the word "we're better," right? Mm-hmm. We're, we are, in truth, we are better. And I'm from New York originally. We're better than New York. We're doing better. We're lucky. We are isolated. We are making some decisions that they were not capable of making. I mean, you can't, I'm telling you, you just can't lock New Yorkers down. It doesn't work. <laughs> but you can get people in Hawaii to chill out some, you know, and I'm not talking about Pakalolo. I'm talking about responsible behavior, hanging out at home. So there's a difference here. And it's a, um, it's a good thing because the sense of Ohana is very, very strong. And in urban situations, people don't have the same, I'm not saying they don't love their neighbors, but don't have the same sense of community connection because they just are not with community as much as we are. So we were able to convince one another to to try to distance, uh, isolate at home and distance ourselves. And so I'd say we've we've succeeded to a large met to a large degree. But that does not mean we're out of the woods because four bad days in a row could mean we're smack dab in a crisis again. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm very mindful. So when you say how we're doing you say we're doing better than some places but we still have 13 days of this marathon left to get to a safe place you're listening to hawaii matters and we're keeping you up to date and informed on the covid crisis in hawaii we continue with our interview with hawaii lieutenant governor josh green thank you so much for doing this every week mm-hmm. i know uh people that are listening to us are feeling much better about the fact that they're like wow you have the lieutenant governor come in every single friday to talk story about this so uh they, they really appreciate it so thank you so much for doing this it's a great pleasure actually and i i, I think that people need to know that we are doing quite well and it's because of them and and lots of important decisions and some controversial have been made and it's a very stressful time for people. But these decisions to keep tourists away 99% plus and to, to have a, a lockdown for our families for 40 days, unprecedented, but also life-saving. And just see this last through these 13 days and, and we're going to be we're going to be okay. Now, Lieutenant Governor, um, what we saw coming out of the White House yesterday with regards to the, the reopening uh, and restarting. Mm-hmm. Um, how, I mean, you guys saw this stuff yesterday, so I, it's almost unfair to ask you, but how, how do you see that dovetailing with what we're doing here? Well, it's a loose structure that they recommended, and it, it was interesting to watch. Really, it did not touch on some of the fundamentals. I'm not being critical here. I'm just saying that, you know, we, we can't... We can't be so generic about things. This idea of just a certain number of days, decreased illness and so on, it is a reflection of 
where your risks are, how many positive tests, what your state is, you know, we could be doing totally great. And if we tomorrow, which obviously is not happening, turned on the uh, turned on the faucet again of tourism at 30,000 a day, we'd be dead. I mean, we'd, we would be so inundated with asymptomatic positive patients that we would immediately have massive spread and we'd go right back to square one and have uh, COVID-19 everywhere. So no, there is definitely no one size fits all. So the idea that 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 would be the case is not right. Now, of course, I'm not trying to speak for the president, and I'm sure that they meant things in general terms. So the gov lined that up, and and our recommendations will be based on what Hawaii is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for now, Hawaii is a place where we flatten the curve, curtailed spread, but, but still have to be absolutely mindful of what our risk is because we only have 500 or so ventilators and we only have 300 or so intensive care unit beds. So we cannot have 15,000 individuals landing here without a certain negative status. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, if we can go back a little bit, you, you were going to, you were saying you were going to expound a little bit or expand a little bit uh, on the whole reopening thing. So could you get to that from a, from a Hawaii government perspective? Yeah. So the reopening, and there are lots of discussions going on, very good discussions, the reopening is going to be contingent on a few things. Number one, the amount of disease that we have in our midst, the amount of COVID-19, and whether or not we've had uh, a good, whether or not we've been able to do a good job of controlling community spread. So that's the first big piece, right? That's absolutely necessary. Mm -hmm. Now, after that first piece, then the next thing that starts is what exactly are the parameters to allow for some changes in our regular economy, setting aside tourism, that will keep us still safe and not have community spread. Like how how distant do people have to be? Obviously, everyone's going to still need to have a mask. Maybe it's not obvious, but they are going to have to have a mask when out in public near other people. We still will have to socially distance for a significant amount of time. That's the six feet or more. But does that mean that some restaurants or restaurants in general can open? That's a discussion point. Does that mean that movie theaters? can begin to open uh, another point. I would say this, don't be surprised at all if we keep the same restrictions on no, no groups of 10 or more for another period of time. There's not many restaurants that could do that with you know 10 or fewer. So I would expect those kind of requirements to stay in place at least for another month. But we will have taken the lid off somewhat about getting outside, being able to be around our coworkers a little bit more as long as we're safe. That's the kind of first loosening. Then come the larger questions. When do we feel comfortable that we can allow outsiders into the state of Hawaii? And my opinion right now, and subject to change, of course, I'm listening to a lot of people. My opinion now is we, we must have a protocol in place to confirm that people are not actively infected with COVID-19, which means the test within 72 hours of arrival in the state of Hawaii. Now, people may think that that's a little bit onerous or even return. Let's say we go on our vacations and come back. We also would want to get a test 72 hours out and not have a fever. Otherwise, we have to agree to go into a, a you know, mandatory quarantine again, which would be fine. That, I think, is what we would do to contain any new spread. So that kind of protocol for a time will help keep us safe and secure and at very, very low numbers. 
and it will pay dividends long term. It also will give us a chance to kind of gradually reboot our system. I don't think any of our hotels, for instance, could tomorrow say, hey, great, let's be full again. I mean, it's going to take time mm -hmm. to bring employees back, to have comfort that we actually can keep things clean enough. Obviously, we've had to change the way we approach certain things. So all of these different uh, considerations are going through my brain and the brain of the general and, and Gov and others. And so that's what you'll see for the plan. And then there's going to be finally the last phase, which is what are the big moves that we have to make economically to recoup you know, growth over the next two years. I think it's pretty clear that there was a lot of pushback uh, against just what was a floated idea. I, I don't think the governor actually meant to say that he is going to cut people's salaries 20%. I think what he was trying to say was there's a discussion about what you have to do, but wasn't handled terrifically. And we do want to keep people as intact as humanly possible with their earnings. We want them to spend their money here. And to be stable in their families and their rent. That's the most important thing. So all those are the questions, and you can see the kind of the shape of where this is going, but I wanted to give people an inkling about how we're thinking about it so they don't panic that we're not going to make a comeback, because Hawaii will make a comeback, I assure you. Okay, mm -hmm. that's, that's good to know. You know, um, I also wanted to ask you some questions from, uh, put on your doctor hat now, um, and, and ask okay. you if you've seen anything in your, in your research uh, that explains more about how COVID-19 works. I know that, um, you know, people were wearing masks and wondering why they're wearing masks. And, you know, you were trying to explain to people that the, the mask is not just to keep you from getting something, but it's also for you to put stuff out there into the air that people, you know, if you're asymptomatic, uh, which is different than the flu normally is, like the, uh, yeah, this is just a whole different ballgame. So if you could get into some of that, that'd be great. Absolutely. When you put a mask on, your mask hang, keeps your breath in. Uh, ironic because of our sense of ha, right, in, mm. in the Hawaiian culture. But it, uh, in this particular case, I think our cultural practitioners are also aware that we are, we are being careful with our own breath. And, and I respect that. Um, so it, what it does is it keeps your secretions in. It keeps your um, extra viral load in. And if you have Let's say you're asymptomatic, but you happen to be positive and not know it. You are therefore not spreading nearly as much uh, viral uh, particle out into the, you know, into the air. That's very good. A, lo a little cough. This is why dry cough is one of the main symptoms of COVID. COVID helps itself by spreading through dry cough because it expels with that dry cough viral particles. These viruses are extraordinarily, quote unquote, smart, which is to say they 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 evolved to spread. And so fever, cough, and um, pneumonias cause spread. So that's why they are what they are. So when you have a mask on, you're preventing that spread. Not completely, but you are doing a good job for society. You're decreasing by a large percentage how much extra spread risk is out there. And if the risk is lower, the, the cases are lower. If the cases are lower, the risk gets even lower still. And so it's a that's what I say about probability and outcome. The probability is lower that we spread it. The outcome is better in general along large averages. And you're getting a large average over 40 days of isolation, 40 days of not letting people fly in here, which will certainly be extended. I have no doubt at all. And, you know, gradually reopening things like inter island travel, restaurants, and so on. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because... Um 
we had a, a ER doc come in uh, earlier this week uh, speaking about things. And one of the things that we noted that was different from the flu is that uh, COVID-19, as far as being asymptomatic and still being a carrier, still like being filled with virus and shedding virus is entirely possible yeah. for like up to five days before you start even showing symptoms, right? Which is, which is just terrifying to me. If I may say, by the way, you having another ER doc is kind of like having an affair on me. <laughs> but that's all right. Sorry, sorry, okay. Lieutenant Governor. I'm sure they were cool. You know, geez, come on. Um, no, look, I love all my ER doc friends. I'm glad they were there. Just teasing. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly right. It's, um, it's a period of time. But we know that people are definitely, before any virus, definitely somewhat infectious for a couple of days before they you know, have symptoms. And so there's that. And then, heck, they think that between, well, the study I recently read was 43% of all people prior to, 43% uh, of all people that have COVID were totally asymptomatic and were capable of spreading the disease. Maybe not in full-blown uh, capacity, but they were capable of spreading it. So that's kind of a big number. So that's why, you know, when I stuck to my guns about doing broader testing and testing contacts. I wasn't kidding. It, it's necessary. You will catch some additional positive people, and then you will be able to give them a very strong um, order to stay at home. So testing symptomatic people critical, testing close contacts of symptomatic people critical, and then eventually broad testing with antibody tests of society will be kind of the final piece of data uh, that we'll need. So that's the overall structure of knowing what we've got here in front of us. And if we do well, we're going to be fantastic. You know, there's some benefits to, to succeeding now, which is if we end up being, let's just say, and we're not good at the rate of having the lowest mortality rate from the disease and the lowest per capita rate of the disease of any state that has a significant population, say, of more than a million people, because some states are so rural, there's just nobody to spread it to, except for like goats and, and <laughs> reindeer, you know, so they're lucky. So they don't spread. They're, they're living out in the, in the country. But we do have a city. And if we succeed in that way, Hawaii is going to be yet another, there'll be yet another reason to describe us as a tourist mecca. And we're going to have to be mindful because if you don't mind, if you don't mind me reminding people, People were bitching pretty hard about us having 10 million visitors and how it was messing up our quality of life. And I kind of agree. Uh, we do need to survive economically, but it was a problem, right? Mm -hmm. So now, let's, 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 as we reboot this culture and, and our economy, let's get it right. We're starting from zero, so starting from scratch gives us the capacity to decide what is the right carrying capacity, decide what is the right amount of resource that we need to have our, our primary infrastructure. And maybe we come up with a few new ideas for, for economic growth. And I've got a few of them for maybe the next time. But, you know, I'll be rolling out some ideas along with the, the economic team to, to look at a new economy that's just a little different, still super strong with, with construction and super strong with, with uh, hotels and tourism, of course but also a, a few new uh, tricks up our sleeve because we don't want to be hit again like this and be left without any capacity to, to, 
to survive uh, economically. Definitely. Melanie's smiling because earlier she was talking about use this time to get prepared and to learn new things. Because <laughs> you should. <laughs> You're not going to listen so to me. Yeah, she's like, listen to the lieutenant governor. He's yeah. saying right now, you know, take advantage of the <laughs> time he, that you've got. He's right. <laughs> uh, this, this is a time to, this is absolutely a time for reflection of what mm-hmm. matters most. Obviously, some things matter no matter what. Like being able to put food on our table, pay for our kids' of uh, education and rent. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's always going to be there. But the next twenty grand and the next fifty grand, or if you're lucky, the next two hundred thousand dollars that you earn, that that has to be reconsidered. I think we have to focus more on affordability so that we can survive with the basics in Hawaii, so that we can make more conscious decisions about what makes Hawaii truly special. Mm-hmm. And as I reflect on what was truly special in the last ten years, as far as gatherings go, it was it was you know, 40th birthdays for my wife. It was first birthdays for our children. It was our Christmas celebrations. It was the the rare times when we got a staycation here. You know, these were the great things and they didn't require an extra 50 grand, you Mm -hmm. know, and they, Mm -hmm. they certainly would not have been jeopardized. None of those things. In fact, uh, even with an outbreak, maybe our parties would have been smaller. You know what I mean? But (laughs) It was the time with our family and friends. And so I think that if we can make the, the underlying needs more affordable, which we've been saying for a long time, then we can build on top of that and kind of resume what we thought Hawaii was supposed to be. It might have gotten a little out of control mm-hmm. this last decade. So uh, let's take this chance and, and, uh, and, and first things first, though, let's get to the end of the month without spreading this disease. That sounds great. You're listening to Hawaii Matters, and we're keeping you up to date and informed on the COVID crisis in Hawaii. We continue with our interview with Hawaii Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Lieutenant Governor, I know we were short on time for you, but uh, we did get a question in uh, from Hilo, from Joycelyn uh, Centino. Uh, She says, I heard that a person's blood type can make a difference if you experience the virus, specifically type A versus having type O. She says, is there any truth to this rumor? I have not seen any evidence of that yet. So the uh, the truth is there are genetic differences in people, and the genetic differences do affect what your immune system is capable of doing uh, with this virus. But there's not been any definitive studies that have been published that I've seen. I won't be surprised if in the next six months we're going to see a lot of that kind of thing. And we might see a very direct pattern. It's possible. These are What viruses do is viruses affect cells and they attach to proteins and the proteins are made up of you know your genetic makeup and what you're able to build and fight and so on and i know i'm supposed to be a lieutenant governor but i am partially an immunologist too and mm-hmm. so that's the way these things work and so if you have certain blood types or you have certain genetic uh, capacity you can do a better job against these viruses that's why some people are predisposed to diabetes, why some people get certain cancers, and why some people do better or worse against viruses. So we will know all those things in time, but by far, by far, the best cure for this disease is to not get it. And the only way to not get it, since we have no natural immunity, is to socially distance and isolate at home. Okay. That's the only way to do it. So mm-hmm. get that, if you get the viral load in society down to such a low point, then it won't then it won't affect us. Or if we get herd immunity, which is going to take a long time because we have very few cases, we also could be safe. Uh, so 
that leaves only option one. So we got to stay apart and keep other infected people from coming to Hawaii. Okay. In that case, mm-hmm. we'll be fine. That's awesome. Thank you, Lieutenant Governor. Um, sorry, real quick, because this one just came in as well. Uh, Carol Bemodis says, do I need a doctor's note if my son has asthma and is, ex- and is exempt from wearing a face mask? I think she's worried what's been happening lately, or I've been seeing uh, people are saying that they're going out without a face mask on because they've got asthma or some pre-existing condition, and then they're getting yelled at for it. So, I mean, do people I, need to wear, have Well, Monday notes? is going to be... Yeah, because Mondays, everybody has to have a yeah. mask, right? What I would do is for that child, I'd put a mask in their pocket and so they could cover, just cover up without even, without imposing too much strain on their uh, respiratory system uh, so that they can avoid any kind of ridicule or social, uh, social criticism. There are going to be some necessary uh, exceptions and obviously we don't want people flocking to doctor's offices to get notes if they don't need to because we don't want to spread the disease. So. There will be understanding. I'm sure no one's going to arrest you or anything like that if that's the case. Uh, but for the most part, if your child does have asthma, that's a reason to have them be a little bit more socially isolated and safe at home because mm-hmm. we don't want them to be at risk either. Okay. Very nice. Lieutenant Governor, I know uh, we, we've kept you actually over the time that we were supposed to be here. So uh, we want to thank you so much again for uh, for coming on with us. Thanks so much for, for calling. We'll work on that time. They're, they're stacking a lot of meetings on me, but I really enjoy being with you. Thanks for listening this morning. We constantly strive to keep you up to date with all the things that are going on with coronavirus here in Hawaii. And our thanks again to Hawaii Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. I'm Devin. We'll see you again next Sunday on Hawaii Matters.